Podcast One production. The truth about starting a business, crafting a career, having a family, and managing to fit it all in. Superwomen, we ain't. From the founder of Boost Juice, Janine Ellis, and leading executive and career coach, Margie Hartley. Janine, this episode is all about you. Actually, it's not all about you. It's all about the concept of the greatest asset being about you in business. And I think it's really important that we talk about these ideas about perception versus reality and what does integrity actually mean? People throw that word up on the wall, integrity in business, but what does this mean? And and also this idea of your reputation and how you hold on to that. So, um, yeah, looking forward to chatting to you about that today. When you think about perception versus reality and how people perceive you. Like, again, last night somebody said to me, oh, my God, Janine, Alice, superwoman, multi-billion dollar retail empire. And we're sitting here right now. Tell me about perception and reality and how other people perceive you putting on your cape in the morning after you've had a super smoothie. Look, it's interesting when that sort of pops up because you do feel like you're, you're nearly a fraud, because you go, no, 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 don't you understand? It was this morning that I forgot to take my daughter to school (laughs) or she was late or she went in the wrong clothes or the parents at the school actually hang out with me to feel good about their parenting, you know, that's that's me. So when people sort of say that, you go, well, but then again you go, well... You know, it, it's hard doing business. It's hard growing something from nothing to 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 a big business. But I think you see your own flaws. So the perception also is that people start with an idea and then there's no challenges. It just suddenly goes up and you're success. <laughs> Poof, easy, no problems. Because reality is it's hard. You know, it's hard. I was a, you know, a woman with no formal business experience that truly had no idea what she was doing and just started and ha- had a crack. So how do you cope with it when people see you as an overnight success or they perceive you to be something that you're not? How do you deal with that? Well, I, I'm quite humbled. You know, it's it's quite a it's quite nice actually because people no no one's ever come to me and gone, you know, you losing cow. <laughs> but they um, but you know people have come and said, wow, you know, because of you I started my own business, or because of you I thought about this, or because I read your book. So it's so it's beautiful. It's really nice. I'll always give anyone the time of day. Actually, the funniest thing I remember is. It was about four years in and it was a time when we pretty much had the biggest GST bill in that I've ever seen and, you know, we had barely enough money to pay salary and I hadn't taken a salary for myself personally for three years and we had more debt in the business personally that we couldn't have paid off for five years or five lifetimes. And that was the same week that I was probably stressed out of my head on how am I going to find this money that I hit the first BRW Young Rich List magazine. And it, I may, I think I was number 42 and I was apparently, if you believe what they read, I was worth $26 million. And here, here I was going, right, we've just sold our family home. We've put everything in the business. I can't quite pay the wages this month. And I'm apparently uh, I've made the rich list. So it's, it's that perception. So the perception is that I had already become this huge successful businesswoman when really I was four years in just trying to work out how to do it. And, but I must admit, I did go shopping that day. And I, I was just going to say, did people ask you to pay for things once they saw you in the uh, BRW rich list? No, they didn't because I think they all knew that because I, I was a big, a big, you know, 
every dollar was was sacred. But interesting, though, I did go shopping and bought all these bags home and Jeff said, we can't afford this. I said, no, no, apparently we can. Look at this magazine. (laughs) Says we're rich. We're fine. So, you know, it it is that, um, you know, the perception is that, you know, I am this healthy and I am healthy and I do do yoga a lot but I'm I'm not this extreme so I went to a um event and um, she said I'm really sorry we're selling alcohol and I thought I thought god I wouldn't be here if there wasn't any alcohol so the perception is you the somebody who was so healthy that you were going to be judgmental about everybody else's lifestyle correct that's exactly right or that you are such an amazing businesswoman that I will look at you and you're not as good as me you know it's it's that but the reality is as you get older and as you live your life you realize that everyone has something to offer mm. you realize that everyone has knowledge as an experiences that I haven't got and you also realize there's a lot you don't know mm. and so this idea of actually turning up and the everyone else is smarter than you. Mm. So if you're starting out with your idea and you're working hard and you're planning and doing all of those things, what's the right mindset? What, what do we need to be thinking and about ourselves as we enter into this world of business? Look, it's really interesting you said that because what you perceive you are is what you are. And I remember in the when I started to do public speaking for the first time, I was thinking, they don't really want to hear from me. They don't really know that, you know, what the story was. So I was perceiving myself as less. I was, I was perceiving myself as not as good as, as the people in the room. So we're not having something valuable to offer. Correct. That's exactly right. So that's what I was perceiving myself in the early days when I was starting to do talks. Mm. And it was only when someone said to me, as I was going on to to do another one. And then when I did that talk, it was a terrible talk. I thought, I'm never doing it again. I'm useless at it. What am I doing? I make up words, as you know, Margie. <laughs> and through through this these episodes, you'll I hear... I love them. You'll hear the odd word that you go, is that really a word? So then when I started perceiving myself as worthy, which is quite bizarre, but you, know, you are worthy to stand in front of these people and give them what I know, is that you, you suddenly actually start to have power. And in actual fact, I, there was one talk I did... And it was to a, a famous Jewish school in Melbourne. And I'd been in business only three years and I was really in that stage of just learning. And I was asked by, you know, Mark Beeson actually to to, to talk at this, you know, great uh, Jewish school. And I thought I was talking to the students, the young girls. I thought I can do that, no problems. I rocked up at this breakfast. There wasn't one young girl there. It was all the top leaders of Australian business meeting, you know, Solomon Liu and the Beesons and all the. And I'm standing there going, there is nothing I can teach these guys. But interesting though, how I approached it was I stood in front of the mic and said, I'm going to start with saying that I have you have more business experience in your little finger than I have in my whole body. But what I'm going to tell you is my story. And so, and and I did a really good talk. It's because I was honest and true and I, I saw myself worthy of actually standing on that stage. That's really interesting. And, and I just want to explore that a little bit more, Janine, because for many of us, and I know personally, uh, I've experienced this and lots of my clients experience this, this moment where they're aware that their self-talk isn't great, but it's not that easy to change. Like you can try, but how did you change from saying, who wants to know my story to I've got a story that's useful? It's not just a little switch, is it? They talk about the brain's ability to change. 
some people say you can't, some people say you can. I actually am a firm believer you can. When you when I started Boost, my I ran on fear. I ran on fear of failure, fear that was going to work out that I didn't know what I was going to do. And interesting, I was at and oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you about life balance because we'll talk about health retreats and how that helped me. But I was actually in a, at a health retreat and there was nothing else to read. And this woman came up and said, look, you should read this book. And I said, well, what is it? She said, Conversations with God. And I thought, oh, God, right. And look, I'm, you know, religion's for, for, some, for some people, it's not for me. So I sort of went, okay, yeah, really do I want to read this book? And yeah, <laughs> I sh- probably shouldn't tell you this story, but I'll, I'll side note on my religion. There's no one listening. Okay, there was no one listening. Okay, there, on a side note of how unreligious I am and how bad a mother I potentially could be, I rang my mum on Friday, Good Friday, and mum said, what are you having to, for dinner? And Natalia said, spaghetti bolognese. And she said, you can't have meat on Good Friday. And I said, well, Talia, ask Gran why you can't have meat on Good Friday. And she said, Gran, why can't I have meat? And she said, well, because Jesus, Jesus sacrificed himself for us. And you know what my daughter said? Who's Jesus? <laughs> so clearly the education that I've given my daughter's up there, there now. So there you are reading Conversations with God yeah. and you hadn't taught your nine-year-old what who Jesus was. No, no but I didn't, okay. didn't realise that was my job. Apparently it is. Anyway, beside the point. So anyway, this Conversation with God book, now I picked it up and I went, oh, for God's sake, someone's saying that God's talking through, through them, shoot me now. And But interesting, as I started to read it, some of the key points in it were actually quite powerful and but powerful but it's so simple and the the message was you are who you think you'll attract what you fear and look these aren't new ideas there's a billion books out there that actually says the same messages but what i took out of it was stop fearing that things are going to go wrong stop being that person stop stop wor- going i want because if you just want something that's what you get the wanting for it so i changed it to the word i am i am going to be successful i am going to find solutions to all the problems i am going to take control of my life i am a yogi i am a surfer even though i'm a crap surfer but i am a surfer so that was a shift it was a subtle shift that actually made the biggest difference in me personally i think that's incredibly powerful another one that i hear is when people say i should should, and they change the language that they're saying to themselves, which is to, I choose. So I should go to the gym to I choose to go to the gym. Mm. And there's a completely different perception then around what you're doing. So bringing back to business, Janine, how important is to have this self-talk, this positive view Oh, look, at the end of the day, they t- we talk about fake it till you make it. And I think that's true. You know, if you quite often, if you are faking it long enough, it becomes a reality. Mm. I mean, the amount of women that you talk to and the amount of women I talk to that say that they, they feel um, less than, but they actually go in with that confidence is, is many. Mm. And I think women tend, I don't know women either express it more or just think it more, but women do tend to sort of have more self-doubts than the old, the old blokes. And I, I, I believe there's a lot of men out there who feel the same way. It's interesting because the ones yeah. that I have quite intimate conversations with about work and life. But I, I like this idea that, you know, that on the surface it looks great, but we don't always have it all together. But you actually, the self-talk and the way you perceive yourself is actually going to be really important on the journey to make you successful. Yeah, and I think we should always stop and just check in of how we perceive ourselves. 
Mm. Yeah, and in actual fact, if you write down positives and negatives about what how you perceive yourself and then focus on the positives. I remember when we were first just chatting and you were saying about something like 80% of women self-loathe their body. I mean, Oh, like, yeah. I've got a friend who works in a really great dress shop and she says the self-loathing, the body loathing is really astounding. Yeah, so take out, change your perception of yourself. Mm. You know, and then when you start to change your perception, other things change because you are who you perceive. Can I add a little practical tip to that one? Yes. Because in a lot of the coaching that I do, speak to people who wake up in the morning and they're feeling really heavy about life or the what's ahead of them in the day. And I um, remember about 10 years ago, I developed a little habit of, you know, might have gone to the gym or for a walk or whatever, but when I hop in the shower and the minute my hands touch the taps, I check in with what's going on in my head. And then I listen to how I'm framing up my day. So whether I'm saying, oh my God, I've got to do this or that person's horrible or I don't want to do that meeting. And then I just ask myself a simple question. Does that serve me well? And does that way of thinking about my day serve me well? And then I have a choice about choosing another way of thinking about it or staying with the way I think about it. Mm. And that's been a really powerful tool, simple as, and I had to train myself like a Pavlov's dog to mm. every time I did something, which was turning on the shower, to help me through it, and I still do it to this day. Yeah. Actually, that is very, very powerful, and it's the same thing as actually you can change how you think. You know, and we, when we've talked a number of times through these episodes, and we'll continue to go on that theme of being a verb or or sore. So it's that classic example: which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the victim, or do you want to be the one that finds solutions and find the good in people too? That's so good. That's so great. Like, so if you if this is this idea of how we perceive ourselves really important, then I'm really interested to explore this idea of integrity because I hear people saying, as I said before, integrity written on the wall is the big value, but then you see people wandering around and behaving in ways that don't really feel like that. Mm. And the other thing I want to explore with you, Janine, is this idea of faking it till you make it doesn't mean lying. No, it doesn't. And I think that's a really important point that we've got to explore today. So what's what's your view about integrity? Look in, in, in business. Look, I've always been one that I've always turned to the anyone who works for me and says there is no time in your life working with Boost that you will be asked to do something you feel uncomfortable with ever. You know, in the inte- and I'm a bit of a brown nose. If there's a rule, I just follow it. I want my door to be knocked on at any time and anyone can come in. So that's how, how I run my business, even though, like anyone else, I think that everything's costing too much. But integrity in business is really, it's quite simple, is say what you're going to do it and do it. You know, if your integrity in life is the same thing, you know, I really don't like being late. And if I'm late because things happen, bloody communicate to people. You know, so it's the integrity is you can rely on me. Integrity is about, you know, you are the person that if you say you're going to do it, you do it. And what happens is that integrity with every action that you do either strengthens or it actually diminishes. And so someone's view of you either gets better or worse. And even it even relates to when you're a teenager or even younger, when you, you know when you meet someone, male or female, and as you get to know them, they become more or less attractive. And that's all around integrity. 
because you and you don't know, you don't t- label it as integrity, but it's that sort of going. I can trust you. It is a fact. People buy off people they like, and they like them because they trust them. They trust them because they have integrity. And if you crush that, it's very very hard to get back. Mm, amazing. So I see you and talk to you about the way you do business, and there's a humility, but an honesty, and it's kind of a raw honesty that you bring to the way that you do business and the way that you talk about business. And is that integrity? Is that integrity or is that honesty? Um, you look, I, I think I think integrity is a package deal. I think integrity is that. You know, if I if I say to you, right, okay, Margie, I am this person, or I will do this for you, or, or this is information, then you find out everything I've said to you is is a load of crock, mm. or is what I've said and how I act is different. Well, then you just go, well, you know, Janine, well, for a start, I should be edited out of your life, but. Integrity also dictates the culture of a business. So let's talk about this idea of how we, you, you keep talking about editing people out of your life who don't have integrity. And when you're in business, surrounding yourself by people that are enthusiastic and positive, but you keep coming back to this idea of integrity. So avoiding people who haven't got it, how do you do that? Look, you know, as you get older, you, you have an intuitively gut instinct. And I go back to what I said before is, mm-hmm. say what you do, do what you say, right? So what you find is if you actually are, say if you're going into partnership with someone and you're seeing whether they're the right partner for you, and if they say to you, I'm going to do this, 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 or get it, get you this information by this date, and they do it, you go, okay, well, going forward in business, he says what he's going to do. But the reverse is also true. If he says he's going to get to this document to you Tuesday and it gets to you Thursday, well, then you should have a red flag. Now, you might go, oh, it's only a couple of days, but are you happy to do business with someone like that? Mm. And so I, when I do due diligence, and obviously with Shark Tank, you know, I, I get to see a lot of businesses. A lot of businesses. And so what part of my due diligence is, yes, there's numbers and making sure what they said on the show is correct and all that sort of stuff. But it's also is, do they get back to me when they say they get back to me? When they come into the meeting, are they on time? Uh, What they said during the show, how accurate was that? So for me, what you find in business, and this is what people should really take out, is if you have doubts, whatever those doubts are, they will come to fruition. And so that's what I've learned with dealing with millions of people in business. And I think it's so important to realise, as we said at the beginning, that lying is not faking it till you make it. So faking till you make it is building yourself up, bolstering your confidence, making sure that you're going to present your best self, even if your mind is saying, oh, you're not worthy. But lying is... That is the end of a whole lot of relationships oh, it is. there and then. It is. And look, I, I see fake it. I'll give you an example of me faking it till I make it. You know, obviously, as, as you know from um, these episodes, you know, I left school at 16, never went to university, you know, can't spell to save myself. And, you know, so going into a room full of, you know, high you know, consultants who have been into university for 10 years and lawyers that have, you know, think that they're the smartest people in the room and, and you know, accountants that, you know, think that they're the second smartest in the people in the room, particularly in the early days, I was sort of like, whoa, okay, I'm, you know, a little bit intimidated by this. What I did was I actually dressed for success. So if I was going into a meeting where it might have been a litigation meeting because, you know, you litigate on trademarks and all sorts I would wear super high heels. I would wear my makeup perfect, my hair gorgeous, and I was wear I'd wear a, a, the nicest suit I could find. And I wasn't necessarily doing it for the guys in the room or the women in the room. I was doing it for me. 
I was actually creating a war suit to go in there to actually battle. Mm. And because I felt good about myself, I felt better about myself and I felt like I was in control. It doesn't work for everyone, but for me that really helped because you're in the right mindset. A bit like what you said about you touch those showers, right? You get yourself in the right mindset and the rest is actually, will actually work out. Janine, do you reckon it's a fine line between ability and integrity? No, it's about communicating. Oh. And the reason it's about communicating is that I always try and under-promise and over-deliver. And the reason I do that, so whatever I think I can achieve, I will go under. Because you always look like a hero. If you say, I'm going to achieve a budget of a million dollars, and even though you know you're going to do a budget of 1.2, you look like a hero. But if I do 1.2, I look average. And if I do 1.11, <laughs> then I look grubby. I look, uh, yeah. So you look it's, like you haven't met your promise. I haven't met my promise. So, so okay. one of the things I found in the early days of Boost was, you know, I started Boost in 2000. And I've always been an embracer of technology. So I wanted to know the most latest technology to make my life as easy as I physically could. And so I, you really went to every single IT person and they were a classy example of over-promising and under-delivering. So consequently, if you asked me, it's only probably now-ish that I would say technology has now met what they've promised. Before then, it was just serious disasters of disappointing, pathetic businesses that I had to deal with because they said they could do things they could never do. So again, so I would say the integrity of the industry of technology was very flawed early days. It's only now that they are actually delivering on what they're saying. Okay, so your advice to people would be... Under promise, because when you under promise, you've always got room to move and people then will trust you. If you under promise and deliver or over deliver, they go, I'll pick you. If you come in all guns blazing and thinking you're this, for a start, people have been around too long, roll, roll their eyes and go, yep, it's spin. It's spin, baby. Mm-hmm. But if you come in and go, look, I think I can do more, but I'm happy to, to put my name to X. I'd respect that 10 times more than people saying, we're at $100,000 now profit and we're going to be $1 million next year. And I just go, oh, bullshit. Mm. You know, seriously, that's just be rubbish. Real. Which be real and have the integrity. Correct. Yeah, because just watch the over-promise. Over correct. And honestly, mm. anyone can say anything in blue sky. So for people who are listening who want an investor to help build their business, then under-promise because they're going to be around for a long time and do what you say and say what you do. So standards, you've got personal standards mm. and people have different standards. How do you deal with that? I think you need to find like-minded people at the end of the day. And I think that as you get older, you sort of can pick them. You know, they've either, they've either achieved it in business, so they've obviously done what they've said. But if you find someone that has different ethics to you, and they might not be bad ethics. It might be just their ethics. But you have standards that you want in your life. You want to deal in business with certain people because they have similar standards to you. So find those people. It is too painful to actually work with people with different type of integrity than you. It always will end in tears. So don't even go there in the first place, even if there's a bit of a financial gain, because long term, it will not be worth it. Yep. And it's this idea of actually being realistic 
right in the middle of all of that because you feel excited, you've got your big dream, there might be a check associated with ego. it. You've got your ego, you think, I'm going to make this work. It's like a bad relationship. You think, I can make this work. Yeah. But actually you have to stop and say to yourself, does this all line up? The final thing I'd say on that, consider the history, consider now, which mm-hmm. might be a nice little check, but also consider the future because the future will come mm. and the future may not be that much fun. Yeah, fantastic. So everything we're talking about is about how you build your reputation and, you know, the building on your integrity, how you perceive yourself. But it's not an Instagram post, is it, Janine? <laughs> Don't we all think that life, everyone else's life is amazing because of Instagram? No, no, you're not. It's not an Instagram post. In actual fact, it's your absolutely most important asset and you should protect it like you protect your crown jewels in your safe. It is that important. And the reason it is, is that you you think about, first of all, it has value. If you're known to have a strong reputation, you will get more business. So your reputation is everything. And unfortunately, we've got evidence on TV on people that have built great careers and reputation and perceived to have great integrity, but in their later years have come crashing down with the reality of what they've done, which is, you know, the Bill Crosby's and the Rolf Harris's of the world. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. So they've got the, you know, so you, so you go and, and then you go, okay, let's look at the value. So can you imagine Rolf Harris getting a gig on, um, on the next Queen's birthday celebration? No. Bill Crosby, he's not got to, his career's over, completely over. Mm. So, there's many men out there and women out there that have tarnished their reputation, which means that them as professionals are over it. And that doesn't mean you have to be a TV star or movie star. It's actually in business. Mm. Your reputation will enter the room before you. So one of the interesting things you're saying there, and I hear this in business a lot, when other people start to say things about you that you don't feel are true. Mm. What happens if someone tarnishes your reputation unfairly? Someone not not extreme even, claiming you might have stolen or lied or anything, but just saying, oh, she's got trust issues or she's not that great. How do you deal with that? Look, for a start, the first reaction that we have is it's unjust mm-hmm. because we know we have our own integrity. And so you you do get angry. That's the first thing. But look, you have to find out where it comes from. You know, if it's in the media, you know, there's, there's certain things you can do. But what I find with the media is, is that if they tarnish your reputation and then you go them hard to fix it, they'll give you the, you'll get the front page on your reputation being tarnished and then you'll get page 20 in very small font on, whoops, sorry about that, we didn't mean it. So you can't win that game. So yeah, look, it's a hard one. Sometimes it's just unjust and you have to just keep yourself out there. Like I talk, I can talk to you about it in a business sense. With Boost, the core thing about Boost Juice Bars is that line, I feel good about myself for choosing Boost, right? Because every single one of our products has fruit and vegetables in them. So when the a current affair or today tonight come out and say there is sugar in juices and, you know, there's as much sugar in a, you know, King William chocolate than there is in a Mars bar or something, whatever they compare it to. The first thing I feel is really hurt and unjust. And the reason I do that is because it affects my integrity. See, Mm. my integrity is that we work really hard to help get as much fruit and vegetables into people's diet as possible. So my integrity is touched. My reputation is damaged because it's saying that what I'm telling the consumer is a lie. 
And so I sit there and go, we believe in choice. Yes, we have products like a King William chocolate. Guess what? It has sugar in it. It's got chocolate in it. It's bloody yummy. It's also got a banana in it. We also have something like a, a Pure Eden, which is purely and simply just fruit and vegetables blended. So we have a choice for everyone. But does the media talk about the Pure Eden and the fact that every nutritionist on the planet would say, drink that every day? Of course they don't because it doesn't sell papers. But at the end of the day, you are really clear about your values. This is what I'm hearing. You're really clear about the purpose, why you're in business, what it is that your integrity is, and that that you uh, can trust and know who you are and what you're doing in your business. And so therefore, the unjust stuff you don't listen to. Well, you have to listen to it. Okay. So in a business world, you have to listen to it. So yes, a current affair or today, tonight, there's not a long round anymore, um, says this thing, this, it's bad, or the paper will say it's bad, mainly because they're ill-informed. So so you, you can't stand there and go, people won't believe it, because people do believe it. You know, unfortunately, people believe things and we're finding, hopefully, people are going to be a bit more sceptical with all the, you know, the fake news that people now know is out there. But the reality is you then have to go out and say, no, here is the message. Here is the truth. But, you know, it it is a really hard one. Tell me about somebody you really think has great integrity in business, somebody living this positive reputation. Do you know what's interesting? I see integrity as about being who you are and being true to who you are. So, for example, Elon Musk shares dropped 8%, which I think wiped off $30 billion of his value. The reason they dropped is because he told these analysts that the questions were boring and if people don't want to invest in a volatile business, don't invest and stop asking stupid questions, right? Now, I think that's integrity because he's true to who he is. He's going, guys, I'm in an area which no one's been before. That is going to be volatile. No one's gone to Mars before. No one has actually created electric cars to the level I am, there is going to be volatility. If you don't want to be on this ride, piss off. Okay, right? that's a very clear message. Right. I love that because yeah. it's honest. He is true to his reputation. He is true to integrity. And the perception and reality of him is the same. One of the things um, I think is important is for us to have a really clear idea of what we wouldn't or wouldn't do looking at other people and their role models and understanding how they've operated in business, where things have fallen over. And the examples of Rolf Harris and Bill Crosby and others are really important to look at. How do people who you admire have managed their reputation? Sometimes reputation comes to them without them them knowing. For example, Mick Fanning. I mean, he now has a reputation of a shark beater. You know, he Superhero. he faced death. He faced our worst nightmares, and actually overcame them. And so he now has a reputation which he didn't even have to build. He just had to survive. You know, and there's other people out there that have been in similar situations. So he is just true to who he is. You see any interviews, and he's not going, yeah, that bloody shark, I got him. He just went, mate, I was in a really scary situation. I just did anything to survive. Yeah. So. It doesn't matter whether you're a rock star or Mick Fanning or, you know, someone starting out, a 16-year-old with a great idea. We really have to know that confidence is incredibly important. Faking it till you make it isn't about lying. It's about being having strong integrity, building your confidence and this idea of being really authentic. Oh, completely. At the end of the day, you know, work hard at creating a good reputation. Guard it with your life. It's your biggest asset. 
Superwomen We Ain't is a Podcast One production recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne. Executive producer is Grant Tothill, produced by Brooke Carrigan, audio by Darcy Thompson. Listener.